Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. We drink tequila. We talk. Welcome to Team Tequila Talks. Talk, talk. Cheers. This is a very tumultuous episode. Technologically speaking, that is. Whoa. Um, for Team Tequila Talks, everybody, welcome to Team Tequila Talks. You have your host, Sherry on the Today, yes. she called me heroin. <laughs> you call me heroin right now. <laughs> Sherryanne Gonzalez and Cassandra Jamal, and we were attempting to go global with this episode today with a Peruvian agave spirit and a guest from the UK. That we're having a lot of technological difficulties, so it might just end up being Sherryanne and Cassandra. And you know what? That's great too. You love us. You love <laughs> us. We love us. Oh, we love ourselves for sure. So this Peruvian agave spirit, if you've listened to episodes before, you know that all tequilas are agave spirits, but not all agave spirits are tequilas. In order to be a tequila, you have to be from Jalisco, Mexico. You have to be from an agave plant, and there's a very strict council on what classifies a tequila as a tequila. And this is not from Mexico. No. It's from the Andes Mountains. It's from Peru. From Peru. And we got this from our friends over at Barkeep because it is an interesting and global small batch tequila. I can see that it is hand labeled, hand numbered. It is called Agave de los Andes. Plateado. Silver. Yeah. We're drinking the silver. And I think a lot of people think agave is mostly... I know we think Mexico, but it's actually grown from the desert southwest, all over the Americas, Andean highlands of South America. Now, I will say this. We just tasted this, and it does not taste like the silver we're used to. No, it doesn't. It tastes very, um, it, it tastes very thin, I will say, and a little eth ethanol, which I'm assuming the reason why they have that there is because maybe their cuisine in Peru is very acidic. So mm. sometimes like when you're dealing with like foods in South America versus foods in North America, yeah. you know, there are different types of flavors involved. So I'm right. assuming it tastes different because maybe the foods over there probably have more acid in them. It might be more complementary to that local style of distilling spirits. Tasting notes. Um, they, you know what? Look, we're used to tequila from Mexico. <laughs> So we like, I think we like the, ash, the volcanic snobs. rock. I think we like snobs. the volcanic rock. I think that's what we're missing here. It doesn't taste as smooth or as clean. No. It's almost like you can kind of taste the processing of it. And we're sitting here sipping on this. I don't think we were prepared for making a cocktail out of it. Yes. And we were, so we're learning through trial and error here. So we, I've added a squeeze of blood orange and uh -huh. a squeeze of lime to cut that flavor Get and now salt. A little bit of citrus. Yes. So I don't, I don't dislike it. I, I just think we're a little snobby over here. I also think that this is probably, I know that there's a lot of Pisco Sours in Peru, mm -hmm. and I feel like this is probably a mixing tequila as opposed to a sipping tequila. I mean, usually we, we mix a lot of our silver tequilas and we sip on our Añejos and our Reposados usually. Mm -hmm. And so this might be more for, for mixing. Um, I'm gonna read these notes right here and then we're gonna attempt to welcome our, our global guest. Yep. So the bottle, the notes that they say are, it is in, uh, it is a fresh, seductive scent nuanced by Andean flavors, tropical fruits, berries, peach pits, and herbs with ripe fruit aroma on the finish. So this is saying seductive scent. This is specifically saying scent 
not flavor. So I'm kind of wondering if there's a different tasting process in that culture. I would believe so. I mean, it's done in the fashion. They, they, they use copper pots. I mean, everything, the process that I looked at is the exact same. So I'm going to sure. say this is uh, their soil and their terror, wherever you say it. It's basically how it grows, what how the soil is, and fl the flavor it provides. I'm gonna say it's just very different. Well, and we're we're used to a lot of our tequilas coming from that volcanic ash, that volcanic soil, and that is pretty unique to Jalisco. Kind of what makes it a tequila, um, especially on the mezcal front with that smokiness. So there's a different land, different climate, and. I don't know. It just seems like it seems like it should be mixed with something too. Yes, and these are wild agave plants, so I think maybe that too may have something right. to do with and it. And it's not blue agave. It's not blue agave, which we are very used to here. So that hmm. could be the the thing that we're missing. It's not like it, we don't like it, but I would definitely put this and mix it for okay. sure. Okay. Well, let's see if we have Kaylee. Let's see if we have our guest. We got yes. you. Is that we it? Gotcha. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Holy smokes. Thank you so much We have had the roughest technological morning, followed by, I got to say, kind of a rough tequila. A rough tequila. It's rough. not the smoothest. <laughs> it's not the smoothest. It's not even a tequila. It's an agave spirit. So welcome, Kaylee. Thank you for bearing with us. We had we had ended up having <laughs> softwares me. and hardwares, and we had mics falling over on us. And I don't know if... Mercury is in retrograde, retrograde, oh my God, <laughs> retrograde, yeah, and and if it's like Saturn up Mars's ass, or I don't know what the hell is happening, but we've had, we've had a go today. We have had and a go. And that's also why we usually drink tequila on this show, is to to deal with all of that stuff. So cheers to that. We're going to do cheers. another cheers, cheers, and a warm welcome to Kaylee Donaldson, a pop Hello. culture expert. Yes. What are you drinking over there, Kaylee? <laughs> Yum, what are you drinking? Uh, I am drinking... Uh, Care No More Bramble Wine, which is a fruit and wine made in the region of Scotland that I'm from. So it's very tart, but it's not too sour. Um, and it just reminds me very much of uh, where I'm from. Yeah, I don't even live that far from where I'm from anyway. This is just like painfully hyper-specific alcohol nostalgia. So oh, I love that's that. What you, I'm said it, tonight. you said it's sour? It's, it's sour or tart? Both. It's, it's very juicy, I think, would be a really good way to describe okay, it. Okay, um, We like juicy. Which, <laughs> it's kind of the opposite it, yeah. of what we're drinking over here. Yeah. So we know that you're a pop culture expert. You are a genre writer. You are a commentator. If you... People can obviously go look at your Instagram bio. But if you could without any type of filter or censor, because we're in a more private space. I know that this is public and on the internet, but it's different than people just browsing Instagram because they're choosing to come and listen to this podcast. What would your ideal logline bio be? And you can get really creative here if you want. Or not, that's fine too. Yeah. I usually sort of like sardonically refer to myself as a, as a pop culture hot takes merchant. Um, when I'm being sort of a little more classy, I, I usually say I'm a film critic who also commentates on pop culture in general. My, my specialty subject is technically celebrity culture, um, especially I, I write a newsletter called the Gossip Reading Club where I dive into old school vintage or like pretty recent interviews and celebrity profiles and pieces of pop culture writing and try and contextualize why it's important and how we got here and what it said about this particular celebrity. Um, my, my basic job is trying to convince people that it's not 
shallow or frivolous to care about celebrity culture. Um, it's an uphill battle, but I think it's a worthwhile one. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think, you know, people say, oh, you know, you talk about celebrities as kind of like the low-lying fruit, and I'm like, but they're the most reported on people probably more than most people are celebrities and entertainers. I would say they're the, the, the tallest fruit because they live such public, private lives, you know? Well, and I would have to agree with that and say, I do think that celebrities deserve their private moments. However, if you choose to live a life in the public, you have to know that some of that is going to bleed out and some of that is just going to be in the limelight. And I think that you have some people that choose very much to be in the limelight and they call their own paparazzi and, you know, they choose very selectively choose events and other people, you know, they say, well, I just want to live a private life. It's like, but man, you went into TV or you went into film or you went into high fashion modeling or, and, 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 yeah. and it's kind of like that comes with the territory a little bit as in, if you choose to be an insurance broker, like you probably have to go to the office. That's part of the job. You know, there's, there's certain parts of every job. And if you were in the entertainment industry, inevitably being in the public eye is going to be a portion of that. I think that the, um, the portion is sort of up for debate and depends on the person and the job etc but you kind of know what you're signing up for a little bit i mean you kind of have to i mean it, the, it's the whole fine line between courting the press for your projects you need the press when you're promoting projects you need the press when you have a tequila you're selling you need the press at moments but then there's other times where it's almost like the revolving door of like who gets to decide when you need them because you've courted them now you're famous or now you're really important so do they stop reporting on you just because you say stop I don't know. That's a tough one. You kind of got to remove yourself from the limelight. What do you think? I think this is part of why talking about it in the current context is really important because being a celebrity in 2022 is so different than it was even a decade ago. I mean, the extinction of privacy for celebrities has long been a thing up for debate, but you know, 10 years ago, you didn't have everyone um, taking pictures of you at a restaurant on the fly to submit to Dumois. You didn't have, you know, uh, the expectation that you have to be on social media all the time hogging your tequila or your skincare line or whatever the current you know brand is there's more of an expectation of i think celebrities being a brand nowadays than you used to have but also the definition of celebrities kind of change we've always had the famous for being famous people we've always had the it girls you know those people have always existed but now i think the the line between kind of quote unquote normal and celebrity is so thin because you can get famous so quickly and for basically anything now you know I try and keep up to date with a lot of this for my job and I still I can't do TikTok celebrities they make me feel 145 like that's a whole ecosystem and then there's you know the various kinds of reality TV stars you know I have friends who are obsessed with the Bravo crew I couldn't tell you the first thing about them and then there's sure could. <laughs> So you know, I think that's what makes it so different is navigating that particular ecosystem has gotten more difficult. So I think that you see a difference between what used to be like an A-list megastar today versus what it was about 20 years ago. It used to be the expectation you would tell everyone about your love life for Vanity Fair and you would sell pictures of your baby to People Magazine and things. And now some of the biggest actors and musicians on the planet um, don't do that kind of stuff they're very private in interviews they don't reveal pictures or even the names of their children which would have been unthinkable and you know think of that uh, i always point to there's a period between about 2005 and 2007 where shiloh julie pitt sean preston federline 
going to um, Gwen Stefani's first kid, um, and just this whole bubble of and Suri Cruz, this whole bubble of very famous offspring were born, and you saw the and the, the celebrity baby industrial complex come to a climax. That doesn't really exist anymore. No one is paying $15 million for pictures of for babies baby like photos. they did with the Brangelina twins. I feel like that was also the Tom, cat, Tom, kitten. That was around the same time. Oh yeah. And I remember that that <laughs> was, I feel like that really kicked it off. Cause I remember seeing that scrolling log line at the bottom of something my friend had on TV. And it was a 24 hour ticker on when her baby was born like yeah. update katie holmes is seven hours into labor so right whoa what? that seems like a gross overstep to something that's quite intimate right but and I it mean, was we... such a um i mean when they finally revealed suri cruz to the world i mean she they kind of kept her away for seven months and there were huge conspiracies surrounding it like there was this weird kind of narrative around it and then I actually wrote an edition of my newsletter on this, the Vanity Fair cover piece with all the Annie Leibovitz pictures and this beautiful baby with more hair than any adult ever alive. <laughs> and, you know, that was such a hot button issue. And nowadays, I think it's much rarer to see a celebrity, partly because the invasiveness of social media. And I think tab tabloid culture has changed a lot. You don't really see... 20 paparazzi chasing a celebrity down an alleyway anymore like i think the britney era mercifully is over uh but there is still a price on the head of like getting the first pictures of a celebrity kid i remember when um joaquin phoenix and rooney mara was announced you know like it sort of accidentally revealed they'd had a kid and then there was a one paparazzi agency that immediately started hanging around outside their house waiting for the picture and it's like that you know that's a baby i'm sure it's a very cute baby but those are two very private people who like what's to be gained there but clearly there's a hunger for it there are certain things that are eternal in celebrity marriages divorces and babies are kind of it you know that will always sell a certain level of you know um i say cultural cash because i think tabloid journalism and the people magazines and stuff i think that's that ecosystem isn't as valuable as it used to be but there's still money to be made on that well, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, when I think about like the UK and the tab and the tabloids and the press out there, it's it's very different than I feel like there's a there's a different culture when you read when you're, you're in London and you pick up, you know, whatever, wherever you are, or you go to the dailymail.com or wherever, and you're just like, it's a whole different ball game. And I feel like out here, it is pretty much divorces. Like who's on the rocks? Like I've got, if I go to, to the grocery store, it's like, they're on the rocks, or they're splitting up or babies coming or you know it's it's pretty much more intimate and personal and when i go over to the uk sometimes it's pretty specific like As very in what people are working on you think or i guess i, I mean you I... look at something like the daily mail website which i believe is like the most viewed news website in the world which is so upsetting and <laughs> you know they have perfected the seo clickbait formula so that's why you see headlines where it's like Long-legged Sophie Turner, age 25, is seen crossing the street, dot, 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 as rumors swirl that she will star in ex-director's project or something. Like, it's like 35-word headlines that appear very quickly on Google. And there's nothing really interesting covering it. I mean, I almost have a scrap of sympathy for the writers who work for that site because you see what they have to write. It's like, how can I spin 18 paragraphs out of a woman walking down the street in leggings? And you see things like, you know, the tall, svelte redhead was seen wearing leggings, which retail for X amount of dollars at this shop. And then you have a detail about designer. It's all so pointless. Right. It is a kind of, you know, I mean, and that has absolutely nothing to do with, I think, any real kind of conversation about celebrity. That is pure 
I mean, that's capitalism, to put it bluntly. That's really right. what it is. And it must be weird to be part of that, because especially in the UK, where the, the tabloids are horrendous. I mean, I think we still have a lot of that culture. We were supposed to clamp down on it after the phone hacking scandal happened. They didn't even bother. And then everything that happened to poor Meghan Markle, which, you know, I think for many Americans... She's with us now. She's over in our end of the world. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and we're still stuck with uh, noted accused pedophile Prince Andrew. <laughs> well on that note we as americans i think with having hollywood and new york city and there's obviously a, a massive film television modeling fashion entertainment industry outside of the u.s however it does seem like the u.s if you had to pick a capital would probably be it and and that kind of goes to my point where we in the U.S. can be a little, I don't want to say egocentric, but I think that... We think everything revolves around us, that's Especially for sure. in the entertainment industry. In the it's entertainment not that industry. we are blind to what's happening outside of the U.S., but I'm curious to know, you living in the U.K. and this being your industry and reporting on this industry, from a global perspective, or at least a European perspective, what do you find... How do you find pop culture to be viewed differently? You kind of touched on this with the Daily Mail saying that, you know, obviously that is a UK-based site and you're saying how tedious they have to be when they're reporting just to get draw people in. At the same time, you're saying that the, the rags are really bad in the UK. So how would you say it would be different from the US versus the global perspective of pop culture, et cetera? I think a lot of this stuff in the, the US is um, just on a purely like kind of aesthetic level, American like celebrity tends to be focused on something much more glamorous. I mean, if you look at like the British tabloids, for instance, and there's, uh, or the British celebrity magazines, and there's nowhere near as many of them as there used to be, their main bread and butter is reality TV stars um, and a very different kind of reality TV than what America have. Like, I don't think we really have an equivalent to like the real housewives we have made in Chelsea and the only way is Essex but I think that they're much more kind of I don't know there's there's less of a glitz around them I think that there's more of a self-aware camp almost to like American reality TV that British doesn't have the British one tends to be I would argue much more cruel um so that oh. perpetuates I think you get a much more of an ecosystem with those kinds of individuals uh but also a lot of major British celebrities don't live in America anymore they, they go to they don't live in Britain anymore they go to America for the work and frankly probably to live in the gated communities because I don't really think we have anything like that in the major cities here certainly not in London definitely not anywhere in Scotland unless you live in a literal castle there's actually a lot <laughs> of castles you probably could buy in Scotland they're constantly up for sale but like you know, most people aren't doing that. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to go hop on a castle. We'll We're, see you we over wanna, there. We want to buy a castle. Wait, I have, so they did have the Real Housewives of London. Um, it abruptly ended, but they had two American housewives on there that had moved to London and married. Is it called aristocrats or is it aristocrats? Yes. So they married aristocrats. Two, yeah. Aristocrats. And um, it just I liked it because I will agree they're more short and curt and a little more brutal when they don't like someone they're just like fuck off like goodbye like I don't like her I'll never be around her again and it's hard to shoot like that because she's like no I'll never see her face again but it only lasted for like a season and a half a season so and Caroline Stein Stanberry is now doing the Real Housewives of Dubai she was one of my favorites from London she's That's from London she's a she was a very is she aristocratic she's very wealthy I know she's come from from an aristocratic family 
So, well, I think that's another thing to keep in mind with the British system as well is um, this is something I don't think America has on the same level, which is class. The British culture system is so ingrained in class. Like there is a reason all of the big British actors look and sound and act like Benedict Cumberbatch. They all went to the same private schools. They all have the same kind of accent. There are exceptions, people like uh, Taron Egerton, James McAvoy, Richard Madden, my, my, my Scottish people, but there really is Love nothing me equivalent some Richard in America. Madden. He's cute. Richard <laughs> Madden is hot. If I had He's a very list, cute. man, I think he'd be on He'd it. be on it. He'd be on it. Yeah. I do love James. James, you said James McAvoy. James well, I mean, I love him too. Yeah. So, well, he's actually really interesting as well because he talks about the class ceiling of British entertainment. It is very, it's very difficult to get established as an actor um, if you're not already part of that kind of class. I mean, I well, think you'd see the rise anywhere, of the but maybe is a big thing in America right now. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, but I think that especially like the fetish of class. I think one, like right. if you look at the way Meghan Markle was treated, it's so much of that on top of being racist and misogynistic was the xenophobia of her being like the quote unquote American woman, right. the actress, how, how dare she, you know? Right. So like you see the tabloid focus in the UK, they do tend to be like, Reality TV tends to be a little more focused on like middle and working class people. And I think you see the viciousness come out in that compared to the way that, you know, the great ambassadors of British culture right. who are the Tom Hiddlestons and, you know, that are talked about. It's a very, like, very stark difference. And, and I'm not even getting into the topic of race and Britain on that front, which is Ooh, as awful as you can imagine it is. Right, right. Well, with the glam element, we just recently was the Met gala we had the oscars a little while ago and you know we have all these very glam old hollywood entertainment events red carpets and black tie and white tie and all the (laughs) things do you think that those glam events translate worldwide or is that the americans being americans and getting super pumped up over our fun red carpet parties (laughs) I think for all of like the the hand wringing that things like the Oscars and the Met Gala inspire, I've had a theory for a while that I think we got released. There was a period where we were very obsessed with our celebrities being relatable, where it was the, you know, oh my God, she eats pizza and she likes to watch sports and, you know, she's a regular normal person. And of course that inspires a certain kind of backlash, which is deeply unfair, but it is the idea you can't be a normal person if you're a superstar. So I think that on some level, we kind of crave the age of like the money diva. Like I'm not saying everyone has to be Barbara Streisand or anything Although that would be awesome. But there is something to be said about someone who is so ridiculously rich and wealthy and, you know, and famous uh, that doesn't have to be a normal person anymore. Like I think one of the reasons people have come back around on Jennifer Lopez is because she doesn't even try to be Jenny on, from the block anymore. She is fully like, I have too much money and I have fixed Ben Affleck and I am living my life and I don't need to pretend that I am, you know, eating hot dogs on the corner. And I think that we've kind of missed that. So something like the Met Gala, which is celebrity at the like most wonderfully moneyed and ridiculous. Um, it wasn't quite as fun this year with the theme because I think a lot of people didn't get it. But like when they did camp a couple of years ago, that was, I think, the peak of it. That was such a fun night of clearly like, you can only get away with doing this if you make more money than God. And frankly, we're going to just like consume that for what it is. Right. And I think watching it and I was, you know, obviously waiting for the red carpet. I think what was pointed out to me, I was just like, where is the style stars? They didn't have Rihanna. 
They, I was more, imp- I was more like, she's pretty pregnant. Well, but, but Kim Kardashian did it pregnant. I mean, most yeah. people do it for the pregnancy kind of. You know, Rihanna, maybe she was like, fuck this noise. I know, but she might've been. been, but I just feel like there was a lot of huge stars who just weren't there. And I was like, Hmm, the biggest star who was there, arguably, I mean, outside of anyone like reality TV related, I couldn't even remember what they had on. And I was like, it's a weird thing. It was weird. I was like, we're the movie stars. We're like the Nicole Kidmans of the world. And no one's. So how did maybe you know more about this than we do? How is the Met Gala guest list curated? I've heard it is Anna Wintour, and she specifically like hand chooses the names and all of this stuff. Like, is there a method to the madness? Or is it just whoever's the hottest? So the Met Gala, it's worth noting, is it's a fundraising event. It's to raise funds for the Metropolitan Museum's costume department. And it's a hugely successful fundraising operation. But it's also Anna Winter's baby. She personally picks the guest list. Um, and then basically what happens is the fashion houses pay for the table, which they bring their guests. So if you are Louis Vuitton, you're bringing... Um, I think Emma Stone was with them this year. Basically, they're ambassadors, like the people who model for them. Um, And then they are dressed exclusively in that label. So when you kind of like, why is she not on female? It's like, because that's the dress that she was given by the designer, basically. And those tables are, I think, about six figures. Yeah. Like, they pay a lot of money for this. Mm -hmm. But there's also, there's favoritism, obviously, going on. Like, if you're paying X amount of dollars a year to advertise in Vogue, you're getting a nice table at the Met Gala. So a lot of that is based on, you know, who's kind of in. So you did see a lot of the influencers this year, like Emma Chamberlain was one of the red carpet people. Um, then you saw like a couple other people who I don't know because I'm, I'm old now. But <laughs> there was a weird kind of lack of, I, I would say, the megastar glam. And I think obviously we missed Rihanna, we missed Zendaya. We really yes. did miss people who I think made that kind of impact. But also I can't even blame a lot of the stars because frankly, if you're being paid to go there by Givenchy or Burberry, and that's the dress they put you in, and it has nothing to do with the theme. Like, mm-hmm. you're you the one that kind of a... gets the brunt of the blame for that, which really yeah. sucks. Yeah, and you gotta have a say in it. You gotta be like, no, this is not for me, guys. This isn't working. You should be able to have some say. Well, you do. It's collaborative. Like, I, like uh, Sierra's dress and Blake Lively's dress, she lives in New York, and she wanted it to have the elements of New York, and that dress was so specific. Um, Carrie Washington's dress. I mean, they, they do get to collaborate, but ultimately, I think, do you tell Donatella Versace, no, I really don't like that for me. <laughs> like, the, at the end of the yeah, day, you're wearing a museum piece, right? I mean, Kim Kardashian mm-hmm. got to wear Marilyn Monroe's, you know, um, slutty happy birthday song dress. <laughs> I mean... That's cool, though. I, that's very Who cool. Who owns that dress? Do we uh, know? Uh, it- Ripley's. The museum. Oh, yes. They loaned it to her. They, or well, did the designer? It was the, the most expensive dress ever sold at auction, I think. They paid $4 about million? $5, $5 million dollars for it. $5 million. Dollars. And they, I'm in the wrong business. And Ripley's own it, but she went and asked them months prior, and she couldn't zip up the dress. And they said, um, "You, um, sorry, this is not going to work. It's too delicate. It was handmade, custom to her body. She wore nothing underneath it. It zipped up. It. They sewed it and zipped it onto her body. And then Kim lost 16 pounds in three weeks. And it still, it still, that can't be healthy. No. And it still didn't zip up in the back. That's why she put, wore the white fur over it the oh, whole time. Wow. And then she stepped out of it. The moment she walked the carpet, she put on a replica because it's so delicate. And the historians of fashion were pissed. I know you can talk about that. 
Oh yeah, I mean, um, I, I actually just wrote a piece for Pajiba.com talking about the kind of continued exploitation of the image of Marilyn Monroe. The reason Ripley's Believe It or Not have that dress is because when Monroe died, she was single, she didn't have any family, she left everything to her friend and acting mentor Lee Strasberg who created the actor studio and she left a note basically saying I would like all of my items to be passed to my family and friends and the people who love me the most he never did that he kept a hold of it but when then he died and his wife sent most of it to auction at Christie's in 1999 which included things like maternity dresses she wore on the time she had miscarriages and people paid five six figures for it but basically Everything Marilyn Monroe has ever owned has gone on to an auction. There was an auction in 2006 where it was things like, you can buy the toaster owned by Marilyn Monroe. You can buy her prescription pill balls. You can buy her SAG membership card. And one of the things that went up was the JFK dress. It wasn't originally bought by Ripley's. I think they bought it in a second auction. But that's the reason she got to wear it. And she had to have Pete Davidson like walking behind her at all times. And she's on like five-inch platforms I, honestly, I wouldn't have turned down the opportunity to war if someone had handed that to me. Like, I kind of can't blame her on that front. But I don't know. There's I, I, the, the kind of interesting parallel of a woman who has made her fortune from her heavily modified body, continuing to exploit a woman who was used almost exclusively for her body and hated it. I um, I'm a big Monroe fan. Like as yeah. an actress, I think that she's so sinfully underrated, and I have a lot of feelings on that. And that's not even getting into the the archival questions, like. The, basically you basic human sweat might diminish that garment so yeah. like she must have been talcum ducked she wouldn't even be allowed to be talcum ducked actually no she said she couldn't garment so yeah, she said she couldn't even wear her own she has a specific tanner and they didn't approve it because it would have transferred <sighs> and she's like wow. i never walked the ca- carpet without my tan so they had to approve a specific liquid that she put on her skin that wasn't oil based i mean this is my thing it's like Kim is like, I did not want to be pale on the carpet. And I'm just like, but Marilyn Monroe was pale and you're pale too. It's okay. Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. if you don't have the specific tanner for what I you're going like she for. also could have gotten the spray that washes off because you take a shower and it no, comes off. They and didn't, no, it wasn't approved because no. it transfers still. Well, shout out to the stylists that are working super hard behind the scenes because I mean, holy smokes, that, yeah. seems like a ve- that seems like a process that there was probably meetings and board rooms and reps and well that just seems like a lot did you see they gave her a i'm curious locket. as to how much she had to pay for it i know yeah, well, i saw that it was yeah. you she see rented locket? it or she bought it no the, the, i think she rented there's no way yeah. they'll put that on loan for oh. less than x but uh, i think from what it? i understand i think she had to make a donation to the charity uh, of ripley's choice which she, probably means some sort of under the table deal yeah sure. and she, they gave her a locket of Marilyn's hair that was found like on the dress or something. There was like hair and they put it all in a thing and Kim slept with it. This is all very, look, like we talk about celebrity culture. When does it end and begin? And I will say, I don't know if me specifically, because I feel like Marilyn died tragically and I believe in energies 100%. and I believe in all. And remember years ago when- dead person stuff on the carpet? And even when Megan Fox used to have Marilyn's face tattooed here and she says she got it taken off because she felt like it was giving Haunting her, her negative energy. Well, of like, yeah. Kaylee, to your point earlier, I remember watching a documentary about the royal family and back in the 60s or something, they started recording them at home and they said, see- royals they're just like us they have barbecues and family (laughs) gatherings and just kick the ball around and it actually backfired horrifically because everyone's like no 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 hold on if our taxpayer dollars are 
are basically supporting your lifestyle, we want the glitz and glam. We want the velvet curtain. We want all of the fancy stuff because you are, it, there's almost, there's an element of escapism of everyday life. We don't want to be, if, if you guys are just hanging out in the backyard barbecuing, just like us, then where is that money going? Right. I mean, yeah. I mean, that speaks to what Kaylee was saying earlier. People want that glitz. People want that glam. Sure. I get it. That money, that Ferrari. And it's a double-edged sword as well. I think that's the thing because if you go too much one way, people will be mad at you. The goalposts are always moving in that sense. I mean, you saw the way that, well, I mean, it was because of racism and sexism, but like the way that Meghan Markle having designer dresses that she probably already owned because she was a working actress making five figures an episode on a major TV show. Sure. You know, they now live in a beautiful house in California and that's like, oh, how can they do that? Well, we're living in a cost of living crisis. And then, you know, Kate Middleton goes out wearing the same bland Alexander McQueen dress coat. And it's the, you know, wow, she's just like every other working mother. And, you know, <laughs> I I'm from, I live in Dundee and St. Andrews, the university that Kate, Will and Kate went to is about 25 minutes from oh, where wow. I live. And basically they are still selling the fact that William and Kate went there. That university is almost exclusively populated by wannabe, That's gonna wannabe be forever, aristocrats like and that. actual aristocrats. Wow. Oh, I, yeah. mean, I mean, look, I love royal. I, lo I think Americans need a royal family. I truly think we need one, and it would take the heat off of polit politics because I think our, I our first family becomes our royal family, which I feel like, no, 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 no. We need to make a king and queen now, and then we can just follow <laughs> them around and let the politics politics, you know? Like, I, I like parliament. We call that parliament, and then we'd have our royal family because you can't have the first family be about the Like kids. an ambassador. Yeah. Like, it, just the same way. Maybe we should, maybe we should find a way to take U.S. ambassadors and make it a more public position, not yeah. to write off the diplomatic. Yeah. We're sitting here like we got it all figured out. I do. Well, you know, like, I, I will say as someone who, um, as someone who has been like very actively against the idea of an unelected monarchy, like I think it is a terrible idea. It's really bad for our country, but like, I think we almost need those kind of figureheads like I think there's a reason people were obsessed with the Kennedys. I think there is a reason that people are obsessed with the Kardashians. Like there is something about that idea of the gilded, moneyed, generational kind of drama. Um, and money creates drama. We see that there's a reason there's a thing called the Kennedy curse. Um, there's a reason like if you go on Instagram, you can still see style blogs dedicated to Carolyn Bisset and, and Jackie O. You know, the, these are still things that um, inspire debate and inspire adoration. And I think for, I think frankly, for a lot of people and frankly, for a lot of Americans, the British royals, they, they are treated in the same way that they would treat a reality TV show. It is, you know, look at the gems, look at the beautiful gowns, look at, you know, the the, the cute kids. It really is kind of the same thing. Um, and I don't know if the Brits really know how to deal with that. I think that there are concerns about like them being too much of a celebrity but then if they stop being celebrities then what are they there really for because then right. all you have to focus on is the fact that you know right hey they're cozying up and hiding prince andrew's sins and he's still the queen's favorite and then yeah. you know the way they mess around in parliamentary elections and the we're you know corruption it's so true tequila for thought kaylee thank you for joining us thank you so much and kaylee bottoms up go, go check yes. out kaylee donaldson on instagram thanks for having me yes and check out our stuff. thank you cheers Dad. cheers Bye. <laughs> That's got something to it. Bye. Ah, thank thank you. you so much. It was wonderful. Bye. You're so. I want to talk to you on the phone. We went to London. We got to hang out. We need the insights. I'll be happy to come back anytime you wanted me. This was yeah. great fun. I'm going to London.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.